Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to Just Films and That with me, Josh Hallam. And me, Alice Oliver. This is the podcast where we talk about films that we think are underrated, underappreciated, or we just wanted to talk about them. We're also going to get stuck into some classic films that one of us maybe hasn't seen and maybe throw in some great guests along the way. Alice. Josh. We're talking sweets. Oh. Boiled sweets or chewy sweets. Hmm. So when I worked at Weatherspoons in my past life, I became addicted to energy drinks and Haribo. Like okay. almost a daily occurrence. Like a long distance runner. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Only the best. <laughs> and I got my first filling at the age of 27 because of this addiction. And I was absolutely mortified as I'm sure you can imagine, gone 27 years trying to, you know, keep my teeth, doing everything that the dentist tells you to say. Brushing them. That's it, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> nobody flosses, yeah. let's be honest, my God. Oh, my, my over half flosses, it takes about 45 minutes to get really? ready for bed, yeah. <laughs> I'm usually an hour in. I do brush my teeth, just so everyone like... Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe once a week if she's lucky. Yeah, <laughs> after my stand-up wash. <laughs> Sorry, as you were saying. So, <laughs> from, so after that point, I've been very, very cautious about what goes in my mouth which I never thought I'd hear myself say but we all get older we all get wiser so I would say I mean chewy sweet I mean chewy sweets like you pour a whole bag of Haribo in your mouth and chew that motherfucker Skittles as well I used to be hooked I think again when I was 14 I went through a phase where it was just Skittles every single day Oh, yeah, literally, full bag in your mouth, munch it all down. Oh, you, did, oh. you did the vegan thing for a bit, right? I still, I dabble in and out. Yeah. I'm like I'm like a vegetarian who's vegan a lot of the time, but, you know, Super I'm a bit bendy. Yeah, yeah. Are Skittles vegan? I don't Because when Ooh. I was doing Veganuary, because I'm a sheep, and, <laughs> and do whatever Facebook had to tell me to do. Good, you're doing what they want. This <laughs> is the I, right I thing. I was looking for like vegan sweets mm-hmm. and I'm sure I ate Skittles, but I'm now thinking I'm they might just be vegetarian. I mean, maybe. There's no reason that they wouldn't be vegetarian or vegan because it's all sugar, but mm. some of those colorings, like they put, you know, some insects and some kind of fish yeah, guts and stuff yeah. ends up in various if places you, if you know if skittles are vegan yeah let us know <laughs> get, i'm interested in taste so, the so what greeny you going with? rainbow harry with star mix 
I would, uh, any, I mean, any of it, all oh, of it. Sorry, yeah, that, that was all, wasn't even the question. No, it's like, Chewy which, sweets. No, which Haribo yeah. is best? Which, which is the best Haribo? Oh, all of them. <laughs> uh, I would go chewy. Like, I don't mind a boiled sweet, but actually, just remembered just now, I choked on a boiled sweet when I was a child, about three or four years old. Right. And I think this was actually one of my earliest memories. So I start choking on this massive blue sweet in my lounge. <laughs> Mum's vacuuming. She comes in. Obviously sees what's happening, gets grabs me by like my ankles, turns me upside down, and starts like shaking me like this. Um, so maybe you know, maybe I've got some trauma maybe. that I haven't quite dealt with. Maybe. But yeah, I'd go, I'd go chewy sweet, but you know, not super picky. No. Okay. What about you? Um. <sighs> How high pitched yeah. was that? <laughs> a couple, of, a couple of dogs next door are going mental. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think. Um, chewy. Mm-hmm. I like both. I do like like a long car journey boiled sweet. But when you're looking for that instant gratification of yeah. of sugar, you 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 are talking like a Harry Bower skill. I love. Um, I think it's Lions that makes them. They make a fruit salads, not fruit salad like blackjack fruit salad. Oh, not the classic. Like fruit a, like a midget gem. You know, like that. They do them like they do like midget gems, and then they do fruit pastels. Mm-hmm. Then they do sports mix. Mm-hmm. Well, this is fruit salad, so they're just all shaped like fruit. Mm, ah, good five a day. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have more than five a day to be honest. Do you? Are you like a mouthful kind of guy, or do you eat them one by one? I eat them one by one, but controver- controversially, <laughs> put my sweets in the fridge. Really? And I get I get okay. shouted at all the time if we sh- if I'm sharing a bag of sweets with my partner. She always says, why have you put them in the fridge? Well... Because I want them in the fridge, Yeah, Alice. I don't know, maybe a because cool... Because I want them in the fridge. Like a nice cold sugar blast. I can definitely it's see the a, appeal. I've never why. done it myself, but I can. I can think I can understand Chocolate in the, the fridge, yes or no? Uh, it, honestly, it depends on my mood. It really does. Depends what I'm fancying. I'm always chocolate in the fridge. Always, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Chocolate in the fridge. Piece of white chocolate cup of tea. Mm. Oh, yeah. We are answering the serious questions for you We're here today. To Don't not, let's worry. not talk about films. Right, <laughs> chocolate. No. Um, speaking of chocolate, that brings us very nicely on to Tremors. Oh, seamless. <laughs> which is the film of the week. You pick this one, Alice. So give us a little bit of background on the film. What's it about? Who's in it? And then we'll move on to why you picked it. So Tremors is a film from 1990. It's about two guys who are ready to go and make it in the big city. They're getting fed up of living in their small village right in the Midwest, kind of really in the middle of nowhere, and they're ready to up and go. They're a couple of handymen. One of them is Kevin Bacon. Can't remember the other fella's name. Fred Always Ward. forget. Fred Ward. Fred Ward. Going to inception that into my brain. Fred Ward forever. And... So then they're trying to leave, but then weird things start happening. Some people turn up dead, a bunch of sheep get eaten. And we're like, oh my God, what's going on? But they're like, no, we have to leave. But then too many crazy things start going. So they're like, right, well, we've got to stay here and figure out who's going around murdering everyone. Turns out it's massive, giant, underground monsters that are coming up and eating people. So the story follows Kevin Bacon and his mates and how they resolve the problem of these giant monsters that we'll call graboids because that's how they're referred to in the film. That's what they call them. But they're the ones causing these tremors, the aforementioned tremors. But they get them in the end and everyone lives happily ever after and Kevin Bacon gets the girl, which we like to see. He certainly does. So now that we know what it's about, why did you pick it? Is it because you just like big monsters? I mean... Because you've already done Dracula. 
big sharks. Oh, and yeah. now we're on to big worm things. Definitely a theme here, isn't there? I wasn't yeah. sure until you pointed Is it, it out. Is it King Kong next week? Oh, are we doing? <laughs> no, why did you pick it? I, it was definitely, for me, it's definitely an underseen. Most people that I speak to haven't seen it. Um, I'm going to assume that it's underrated. Again, I've tried to avoid that so you can surprise me at the end. But definitely underseen because you, I mean, you haven't seen it and you've seen, you've seen a fair few films. Yeah, yeah. So I hadn't seen it going into it. So all I knew going into it was that it had Kevin Bacon in it. It was something to do with monsters. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd read, I'd read somewhere there was like elements from this that influenced Stranger Things. Ah, Netflix show. okay, interesting. Like I'd read that that Stranger Things was you know a bit Spielbergy, bit a bit Tremors. I'd read like Tremors and you know Gremlins, oh. other kind of late eighties, nineties monster movies mm-hmm. with kind of slightly practical effects and that sort of thing. So that's the only thing I knew. I actually thought that it was kind of a more family friendly film. Oh, did you? So, so like, uh, like, like you said, like Gremlins. Not I didn't necessarily. I wasn't expecting like you know a kids' film, but you know, like I suppose Jurassic Park levels of scary, but like kids kind of I don't know eight and above can watch it. Yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. So I didn't, I didn't expect much going in. I must say, I kind of went in expecting bad effects mm-hmm. and a cheesy script, mm-hmm. and. That's what I thought going in. Yes, and when you came out the other side? I enjoyed it so much more really, than yeah, I thought I was going to. I did not have high hopes, <laughs> and I and I just thought it was a really good ride. Yeah. Yeah, I thought uh, the chemistry between the two leads, like you say, Kevin Bacon and Fred Ward, was brilliant. Like, the constant, like, back and forth between them, the way that they're, like, one's a bit older, one's a bit younger, but they're obviously, like, kind of, Comrades, brothers in arms. Yeah, I mean, Fred's got his back completely. Yeah, as well. The kid, they keep doing rock paper scissors. Oh to yeah. Decide stuff. So that's that's where we. I mean, we kind of learn. So I saw this film when I was, I don't know, I wanted like maybe seven or eight years old. Like I was young, younger than you should be watching something like that because some of the language absolutely filthy. Yeah. Um, and that was where we learned about rock paper scissors and all that. So then afterwards we're doing that. It was the first time I'd heard someone use the expression pardon my French. So then afterwards I'm like, what does this mean, pardon my French? It was also actually where I definitely learned to say shit for the first time as well. <laughs> so an educational experience for you. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Um, what, so having watched it again, what did you think? I did really enjoy it again, but it... So I wasn't, I didn't come out of it surprised. I didn't see anything that I hadn't seen like when I watched it when Mm. I was a kid. It was still the same film. There's not really, I mean, I don't think that there's any like implied meaning or that there's a deeper story going on. I think it just absolutely is what it is on face value. It's two guys who are fighting these big monsters, have a bit of fun along the way, pick up a girl, here's the old guy, here's the family in distress, you've got all the characters, and then everything ends happily ever after. Um, but I like that. Mm. I like that it is it is what it is. I like the fact that the monsters, the graboids, the worm things, are just there. Yeah, and there's no exploration. There's a little bit where the scientist character, who's the kind of love interest, explains what they might be, but it's never like a lot of times in these films. At some point, a secret government agency shows up. Yeah, and it's like we, we, yeah, we, we've been investigating this for years. You know, we think mm-hmm. that this and they came from this planet, or they came, they were disturbed at this part of the Earth, or it's all very like 
there's always a higher meaning. Whereas this, it's just the oh, well, they're, they're just monsters. Yeah, it's like could be this, could be that. They yeah. hypothesize aliens. Um, they hypothesize like a prehistoric yeah. being that has only just been woken up. But even as she's saying it, she says, "Well, why would we just be discovering it now and all this?" Because it doesn't make sense. But it's just kind of like, yeah, it that's quite a fun element about it. It's just like, oh, this crazy things happening. Why? It's like, oh, I don't know, but we got to fix it. We yeah. got to blow them up. Yeah. So that I like that. I like that. They, they show, but don't tell you. So you touched on Rhonda, who is the love interest, but she is a scientist and she is a, a character in her own right. But the way, the way we're introduced to her is obviously very telling of Valentine, of Kevin Bacon's character. So they're driving along, aren't they? And then Bert, not Bert, I always get Earl. Bert and Earl confused, but Bert's the other guy, the gunner, and we'll get onto yeah. him later. Yeah. Oh, we will. Um, with Earl, so he says that, oh yeah, there's a new uh, college grad, or, you know, there's a new uh, person coming to do whatever these assessments that they're doing on the land or whatever. And straight away, Val's like, that's meant to be a girl. And he makes a complete <laughs> beeline. So they're driving on the highway, going a different way. They see the female scientist drive, Oh, like right over the landscape it's just dirt it's not the proper road or anything make this proper beeline for her they get there she's like hi I'm Rhonda this is what I'm doing they have a chat he's not happy because she's not got blonde hair blue eyes legs that go up to here like he's listing off all these things that he expects he describes a, from a woman he describes a woman that doesn't exist. Yeah, that's his uh, his ideal. <laughs> and that's what he wants her to be. Yeah. But she's not and he's disappointed. And then they have a conversation. She sort of says why they're, why she's there. They say a bit about who they are. And then when the conversation ends, she says, sorry to bother you, and then leaves. And I'm like, they drove over <laughs> at high speeds to interrupt you. You're trying to measure what the fuck's going on underground. And they're driving over with their truck. And she feels the need to say, I'm sorry to bother you. <laughs> oh. And Val's they... just like, yeah, that's the way it should be. <laughs> I think the, the film does a really good job of like, it's a really tight 90, you know, five minutes or so. It's, really, it's, it's, a, it's bang on more or less an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. And I think it does a really good job in that time. First of all, I like that. It's bookended, short, sharp, really great storytelling. But I, I like what it does in short bursts with its characters. So you build up that, like we've already said, you build up that relationship between Valentine and uh, Earl. But you also get stuff like, because it's got horror elements, I think mm-hmm. something that a good horror does really well in terms of horrors like this, where it's, you know, groups of people being picked off rather than a more psychological thriller when it's this kind of thing based in a monster or a killer or something. I like when scripts give you little glimpses of the characters' lives. Mm -hmm. So you just develop that little bit of attachment to them before they're killed, Mm. which might sound a bit sick now I say it out loud. (laughs) (laughs) What I mean is that heightens the impact for me. So there's a bit where the worms, the graboids, kill a kind of older couple, Mm. and they're not established characters I don't think. They're the just... guy's the doctor, isn't he, who they saw at the beginning because of the man who oh, dehydrated to death. Oh, I'm pretty yeah. sure it's the Dodgers, the same well, they're guy. they're not like, in it. they're not like, you don't really know right, them. So they're you ju- don't they're fall just in there. love with them. Yeah. Yeah. But you just get, you know, like you say, a little bit at the beginning with the older guy who's died on the, the electric electricity pylon. And then they die, but you just get little hints of their marriage mm. and that they're just trying to, are they trying to build a caravan? Yeah, they just want to kind of live that Re- retired life and Chill just enjoy themselves, enjoy the stars. have peace and quiet. And then that heightens the impact. Whereas, you know, sometimes you get horror films where, 
you know, you get people wandering into a forest or into an abandoned funfair or whatever the setting is, and they get killed, but there's no establishment. Mm. So you're like, oh, so, you know, it's the in the world of the film, obviously, if any person gets killed, it's horrible. But in the world of the film, I don't care. It's a horror film. I'm expecting that. Mm. But that little bits like that, little bits like the rock, paper, scissors, little, little, you know, eccentricities of characters and pieces of dialogue I, I like make them more likable they make them more real and and that heightens your enjoyment of the film for me yeah and definitely for Val and Earl because they are doing all the shitty jobs aren't they they're like the town handymen and they get literally covered in shit one point when they're working the septic tank or whatever yeah. and they're drinking beers out of a toilet and it's like they're just you just feel like it's almost as low as they could go and that's why they're then so desperate to leave. You've got to see, I guess it's building up to show you why they are so desperate to leave and then all these things happen like, oh, the woman isn't hot. Oh, we got covered in shit. Like, oh, we've got to drink beer out of a toilet and someone, they're just like, Someone offers this. to pay them a bit of money but in beer. Yeah, yeah. And, but they turn it down. But they turn but it down. But they're very proud that they turn yeah, it down. They're very we tired. just turn away free beer. <laughs> um, Good for you guys. How, how do you think it's because one thing as well, like, it hadn't really. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Age badly. So I don't think so. No, because it is, it's special effects. It's not visual effects. Like mm. they're puppets and they're models and you know, or their electronic, whatever. But that doesn't age as badly, I no. find. And as much as, yes, some of the some of the special effects are a little bit wobbly in terms of what we can do now with special effects, but uh, it never took me out of the film. It, I kind of just 
took it as the fact that it was a 30-year-old film. Mm. And there was nothing, like, nothing too kind of big and unrealistic happening. Like, it was just sort of kind of people getting pulled underground. And, so, you know, yeah. you just sort of see arms going under. And that's not, like, super difficult to do. There's a lot of stuff you don't see, isn't it? A lot of, like, wobbling of floors and a lot of yeah. like, holes opening up, which is, 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 you know, fairly simple to do. But there's no bit where there's a big climactic fight and, like, one comes out the ground and it's, like, a really wobbly C early CGI or, like... Yeah, yeah claymation that takes you right out of oh, the, wow. you know, like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, yeah. I think that the elements of horror of the, of the film have aged pretty well. Mm -hmm. I thought as well, in terms of the film being a horror or the horror elements of the film, it um, did a really good job of building tension. Okay. Like, yeah. there are elements like the older couple, the Doctor that we mentioned, but the stuff in it, like, the, the two for me that, that come to mind are... There's the character of Melvin who's like a teenage boy. He's like a right snotty little shit, basically. Yeah. He keeps doing stuff to make other characters jump. Yeah, and like he, with the... He walks out with the dead graboid yeah, wrapped around strangling. his neck. He yeah. throws a basketball at Earl. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, and you boy know... Boy who cried wolf. Yeah, he's, he, he's the boy who cried wolf. So you know that's sowing the seed that, well, he's going to do something and he's either going to die mm. or that's going to win the monster showed up. And that's exactly what happens. Mm. But even though I was kind of expecting it, I was kind of expecting that he might come to a short end mm -hmm. a grisly death or whatever but he didn't no and the other bit that i really liked was the there's a little girl who's on a pogo stick and i just thought that was like that was a really good device for building tension because they establish it at one point of just um she's just doing as many pogo jumps as she can early in the film and then later on they're looking for her and they're all trying to stay quiet and then you just hear like and it's like I don't know, I just thought it was a really good device. It's not something I thought of, and I think I thought it was really impactful. Definitely. So simple, because everything else has been, like, it's pneumatic drills, drilling, like, when those construction guys are doing it, so it's like, oh, that's drawing them to you. Um, but, yeah, because it, it's such an innocent thing as well, isn't it? The pogo stick, and she's just, like, this sweet little blonde girl. And then if, you know, if the ground opens up, underneath her as she gets swallowed up that would be horrifying but that's that again her character gives kevin bacon's val a lot of opportunity to be the hero because the whole thing is setting val up to be this hero like he saves the girls he comes up with the plan he's the guy who keeps coming up with plans of what to do and it's like at the beginning he's set up as such a just gross guy like the first the opening shot is of him pissing off the edge of a cliff and then oh, he's yeah. like scratching his ass and then he pretends to, that there's a stampede and wakes up Earl in the back of the truck and all this stuff. And then you kind of see him develop and get a bit, you know, a bit wiser. And by the end of it, he's the brains of the operation. Even Bert, the gun nut, is like, Val, what do we do? Tell us what to do. And it's like, why why this kid? Why not you with the 50 million guns? Well, speaking of Bert, Bert, the wow. character what who, a guy. who is still in, the, who's yeah. still in the film, seven sequels down the line, you... Seems to have something to say about Bert. What he's was it? Just, he's just the absolute epitome of the kind of crazed conspiracy gun nut guy that you would expect in that kind of film in that kind of film. And he really it's just so great to have him and his wife along for the ride. And it's like when it all starts happening, they're like, oh, it's probably the government. It's probably this thing. It's probably that thing. And they're like, right, what are we going to do? Let's get all the guns together. That's obviously what we need to do. And then they have that brilliant shootout scene where it gets them in their bomb shelter and they just completely obliterate it. Was, just bang, was, bang, bang, over and over. I was fully expecting them to die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At that moment, yeah. I thought, yeah, 
they're, they're going to get ripped apart. We're still left with quite a lot of the cast at the end, yeah. really. If you think that a lot of these kind of go down the, maybe you got two left at the end, maybe you get three left at the end, but most of them, most of the key characters do survive at the end. It's not a deep blue city. No, all but two, yeah. Where it's like, yeah, you say two characters die, like, like about six of them or something yeah. at the end, maybe even more. Yeah, yeah. Jaws as well, wasn't it? Just the last two fellas Just, swimming yeah. back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So obviously great Western elements like it is a bit of a cowboy romp as mm. well like Val thinks of himself as that sort of character like he's got the hat he's got the outfit and there's just a brilliant scene where the roads closed and the phone lines are down and they're like oh my god what are we gonna do and it's like oh Val and Earl can ride off to the next town on these horses and save the day and so everyone gathers around outside to kind of say bye to Val and Earl they get on the horses and they literally ride off into the sunset and there's some brilliant visuals I think and they really use the landscape as well for what it is but that's funny and then it's just like, it's, Val's character is just really interesting. And I suppose I hadn't really appreciated that at first, but he does have a bit of a character arc, which is nice. Yeah, he does. You're right. Like you say, he goes from being like a bit naive and gross to being like a hero. Mm. I never thought, actually, that's a, that's a good point, the way the way it plays with the imagery of the kind of where it's set, I suppose. Mm. Like, you are right. It is... Um, does a really good job of capturing the isolated nature of the town. Oh, definitely. Even with things like putting the population number on the sign and it's 14 and they <laughs> yeah. keep saying like the nearest town is 38 miles away and then, you know, oh, if we can't get there, we're going to starve to death in a couple of days. Yeah. So I suppose we'll move on to stuff that we perhaps didn't like. Um, having watched it again, anything, anything not? that didn't or annoyed you? That's not annoyed. I feel like it's one of those films that you just can't be annoyed at. Like, the problem with watching and falling in love with certain films when you're a kid is that it gets a bit hard to shape that and you sort of yeah. struggle to see the flaws in something. But with this, I suppose some of uh, Rhonda's moments, like, obviously weren't great. Like, she had, considering that she's a scientist and she's probably the smartest person there she has a lot of really dumb moments mm. um like when they so they're outside and they're getting attacked there's, there's a graboid attack and earl is trying to get Rhonda to run one way with him to get back into the shop so that they can climb on the roof and she just runs the complete other way gets trapped in some barbed wire and then has to take her trousers off and then you've got the moment where yeah. Val is playing fucking doctor and like dripping iodine into her wounds and stuff and it's, and it's like and he's like are you okay and all this and I'm like it just—I was just like, oh, yeah. Nah. Like I remembered that she got a kit off, and I know it's a staple of these films. We have to have a naked lady somewhere, uh, but yeah, just dumb. And then she's just kind of made out sometimes to be a little bit ditzy, and I'm like, I don't think she is though. Not yeah, she's a scientist. So. Yeah, I know what you mean. Like she does take her jeans off. At least it's just the jeans. It's not like yeah. deep blue sea where it's full underwear. Yeah, for, for no, no reason. reason. But. Because, um, like you said, there's a bit where he's dressing her wounds, and I there's a pause, and I thought, oh, is he gonna kiss? Yeah, now when she's yeah. pantsless, but not even her. As in, is he gonna kiss the cuts? Oh, good. did you think like, that that's what I got? And then he he doesn't. Thank thankfully. God. <laughs> but I so there's nothing again. I don't really want to have a pop at anything like the special effects. So I don't really think it's fair to mm. judge a film that's using what it had at the time. The only real issue I probably had with the film was that sometimes. It's like it didn't know what it wanted to be. Mm -hmm. It's almost as if they made it as a horror 
monster film Mm -hmm. and then perhaps decided it might have been more financially successful if they'd made it a family film. Mm. And so there's elements where they blend the two and it doesn't quite work. So it's like, there's times where it uses like really warm music, like flutes and brass that you would associate with with more family friendly film. Do you know what I mean? Like the, the music he uses snappy quippy dialogue that you might associate again with more family friendly films but then there's gory moments decapitated heads they say swearing Mm. i know that there was more swearing because in in when i was reading about it originally that's why they call the worms mother hubbards yeah because they do yeah or mother humper don't they when they're on the walkie-talkie so bert and his wife have killed um, they've killed the one that was obviously broken into their thing. Yeah. And they're like, how many more of these mother humpers? And Val's like, there are two more mother humpers. But they've said fuck elsewhere yeah. in the script. They say shit. They say all kinds of stuff. And apparently, it, they actually did say motherfucker and it's dubbed. Really? Just yeah. that one bit? Maybe yeah. that's too much well, motherfucker. Can, from, from my understanding, it might have changed. But you, you can. It's a 15, this, isn't it? Mm. Or it was when I went on Amazon. But... Um, you can get with one fuck in a 12, okay. but I don't know when. I know the 12A came in in 2000. Sorry, 2002 for Spider-Man, yeah. but I don't know when 12 came in. Mm. So maybe it was one of those. But there is a bit where it's just a little bit jarring, where it's like it's not quite a fully fredged monster film. Mm-hmm. It's not quite a family-friendly kind of gremlinsy. Like I said at the start, I was expecting Jurassic Park levels of a bit of gore, and I think Jurassic Park's only a PG. Mm-hmm. I might be wrong. I do think that with some kind of a bit more creativity, you probably could have got away with it making it a PG. Mm. I certainly, I think if they revisited the certification of this, I can't see them giving it a 15. What, do you think it would go down to a 12 or up to an 80? No, no, it could go down to a 12A probably. Because yeah. I, I was speaking to someone and said I was watching it and he said, oh, I used to watch it all the time as a kid. Mm. And then when I had watched it, I was like, I used to watch it all the time as a kid. I said, what about like, when it says like, and he meant a kid kid. Mm. He's like, what about like when it says fuck? And he said, it, I don't remember it saying that. Mm. And he was like, I think my version was taped off the telly. Yeah. So he must have like, you do get like, especially people of our age and older who've watched films based off TV cuts so they have, there's bits of films I haven't seen because I originally watched it when it was taped off the telly. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know, would you, what, would you prefer it to be an all-out monster film or a more family-friendly film? Because I think it tries to walk the, the tries to, to have a foot in both camps. It, it and I think it, I think it should kind of shit or get off the pot a little bit. Maybe. I wonder if that combination does work, though. I mean, all I know is that I enjoy it. So I'm not sure... It, like if I would think it would be better if it was maybe just this whole other genre. The thing is, like, I don't like gremlins. Sorry to say. No. <laughs> I'm not really a fan of gremlins. I do prefer, like, I'm not really into that kind of kids, family horror sort of yeah. thing. I do prefer it when it, you know. I mean, I'm like not Deep a horror Lucy. fan anyway, but yeah. You know the sophisticated masterpiece that is Deep Blue Sea? <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't know. But it's definitely, it's definitely like a, a mishmash of different genres. I mean, it's not, it wasn't like noticeably like jarring. I just thought there was times when perhaps, because something that was interesting is I, again, reading about it, it wasn't a commercial success. Mm-hmm. It didn't make loads of money, but it made loads of money at home video. Mm-hmm. So maybe it would hit that sweet spot of like 
people weren't going to the cinema to see it, but perhaps people were watching it going, oh, this is actually okay, mm. then buying it to show the kids. I don't know. I just think it's quite interesting. There's, there's not that many films that do really poorly at the cinema. And then I know there's the odd cult film which builds up, but mm. this was a, probably like a really early example of doing really well at on home video, but not that well at the cinema. Mm. And I was wondering if it was to do with that jar that that mishmash of styles mm, maybe like it just doesn't quite click yeah with so many people Pick because one. Yeah, yeah yeah so we'll come on to the critical reception shortly but before then alice you're going to take us on a journey i am a journey of wonder and surprise Where we're we going? going down the rabbit hole oh. in this bit that we're going to call alice down the rabbit hey, hole take us to it now, we all know what became of E.E. extraordinaire Kevin Bacon, but what about his leading lady, Rhonda? Elizabeth Fern Carter, who goes by Finn, has got a few credits to her name, mostly the odd episode in various TV series and a few TV movies. Finn most recently appeared in court after she was arrested in Las Vegas for possession of a stolen vehicle and 14 counts of possessing a credit card without the cardholder's consent in 2019. Finn said she had been living in Vegas for a year and a half, but when asked if she had a stable address, simply replied, I have somewhere I can stay. She was released from custody and was expected to return to court in October, but I haven't been able to find out the rest of the story. And really, there's not much else on Finn. Kevin Bacon has become a household name with his own star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, but the same fortunes did not await Finn, with her success seeming to start and end with tremors, as I found when researching for this bit that most websites refer to Finn Carter as the woman from tremors. (laughs) Poor Finn. (laughs) So we'll move on to the critical reception then um, before deciding whether or not it is un- underrated or underseen. Or You thought it was underseen, didn't you? Definitely underseen. And I'm going to hazard a guess that I will probably find it underrated because I do like it a lot and I appreciate that it's not everyone's cup of tea and maybe it just doesn't strike a chord with many people, mm. like you said, because of the kind of not fully knowing what it is that it wants to be. So what? have have a little guess then. Where do you think it sits in terms of critically reception, how it was received? Reception. I wonder, so thinking back, you know, if we think about our other films, so Easy A only made it to seven, which was a shocker for me. And I, I feel like Tremors, as much as I would probably go, I'd go high sevens, probably maybe, maybe an eight on a push. I don't think it probably got that. And I reckon you're probably looking at more high sixes, maybe around a 6.8. And even as I say that, maybe I feel like I'm being too generous. Right, too generous. Yeah. So on IMDb, it gets 7.1 out of 10. okay. On Rotten Tomatoes, the audience give it 75%, but the critics... What do you think they gave it? Oh. The critics. The critics. The critics. What did they give me a ballpark so percentage. So the critics surprise me sometimes and just go the completely other way. I, I'm going to go in optimistic and say that the critics gave it a solid 88%. That's exactly what they gave really? it. Really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it. Did wow. you read the critical no. reception? Yeah. Oh, that's yeah, crazy. The critics gave really? it 88%. They loved it. So I I think that's mental. That is, I mean, that's, that's very <laughs> hey, kind, yeah, That's isn't 3% it? higher than Easy A, which we thought was underrated. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. So, oh, good good for them. Good for yeah, them. 88%. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's from, a great And that's score. not even from like a few reviews. That's from four, yeah, 43 reviews that is from. Yeah. So that, 
that's mad. That is, uh, yeah, that's high. Yeah. Oh, good for them. So what do we think then? Is it underrated? Is it underseen? I, I feel like it's probably appropriately yeah. rated, um, given that. Are you going to say it's overrated? No, I, I mean, based on the critics' score, yeah. It's like, <laughs> that's like, it's like up there with The Godfather or yeah, something. Yeah, I know, that is a big score. What would you have given it? Like, if you were going <sighs> to... Maybe like... Like a six and a half? Yeah. Like a seven, six and a half. Like, yeah. it's it was a great film. Mm-hmm. It was tightly told. I liked the way it created its world. I liked the way, the I particularly liked the like, chemistry between the lead characters mm-hmm. and all that. I would definitely watch it again. Oh, good. Uh, like, if it was on, I'd watch it. Mm-hmm. But based on no, it was probably slightly overrated, but you mainly picked it because you think it's underseen, and I think it is underseen. Definitely, I would yeah, 100%. So we'll call it underseen? Yeah, but, and uh, appropriately rated. Give it a meh on rating. <laughs> underseen, underseen, though. Yes, certainly. And definitely, definitely worth a watch if you haven't seen it. So that's another one for the underseen pile, um, and the appropriately rated, we'll say, shall we? Yes. Um, well, if you want to get in touch with us, please do let us know what you thought about Tremor, Tremors. If you've got any films you want us to do, get in touch. It's filmsandthatpod at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at films underscore that. And the Facebook and Instagram are filmsandthatpod. Um, yeah, get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. Um, Alice, thank you as ever for joining me. Thank you so much, Josh. Uh, and it's goodbye from me. Cheerio. Bye. Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out at the French Open for a chance to win a Grand Slam title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. See the action unfold as legends fight for glory and new rivalries emerge. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th, with match replays on demand so you never miss a moment. From the first serve to the final point, Roland Garros promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.